welcome to The Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to The Feathered Desert. This is Kirsten and Cheryl, and today is going to be a special episode on Father's Day Best Bird Dads. Yay, dads. Yes. And we are going to be posting this one on Father's Day, so it will be coming out on the Sunday of Father's Day. So welcome to our special Father's Day episode of The Feathered Desert. Today we're talking about exceptional bird fathers. In the animal kingdom, the amount of effort put in by fathers ranges from zero interaction with their offspring to complete involvement through all life stages. In mammals, we're kind of not the best ones. Only about 5% (laughs) of dads are directly involved with the care of young. But in birds, almost 90% of dads interact with their offspring at some stage of their growth. Which is pretty exceptional. Yeah, that is. In this podcast, we're going to talk about some extraordinary bird fathers. And Cheryl's going to get us started off with one of our favorites. All right. So I have a gambles quail. And this is going to be fascinating because I don't know much about gamble quail dads. So let's start out with our hometown favorite, our gambles quail. These quail dads are involved in an entire life cycle of their young. The male will watch over the nest like a sentry once the female has chosen her preferred spot. When the chicks hatch, dad corrals them along with mom to make sure they stay out of danger. Yeah, you gotta keep mom in in step two. He vigilantly keeps his family together as they grow and learn from both parents what to eat and how to survive in their desert home. When they encounter other birds or potential predators, dad will leap and fly around his chicks and mate, keeping the threats away from them. Oh, he's brave too. He is brave, yeah. Yes. If his mate dies before their young are old enough to be on their own, he picks up the mantle of a single of single parenthood and continues to raise his young until they can survive alone. All right. Yeah. Well, three cheers for our excellent hometown gambles quail fathers. Yes. Yes. But they, I don't think dads get enough credit, you know, deterring the predators. They really. don't. And um, the gambles quail is one so of the flashy. best centuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. They are. They're so flashy. And scientists still haven't really figured out what the little feather on the top of the gambles quail's head is for. A lot of quails have that little top knot kind of feather that flows from They don't really know what it is for yet. But it, I think it probably helps everybody identify each other when you're out there, especially the babies. They look for that little, little feather pop to follow them. And dad, gambles quail dads, we probably all see them. This is going to post during a baby quail season here in um, Arizona. And we've all seen them. They stand up there. They get all puffed up in their chest. They're usually sitting on top of a fence and watching everybody. So Gamble's Quail's dads are really very good. They yeah. um, usually are the ones that uh, cross the street first as well. Make oh, sure. that's why they're in front. Not be- oh. Yeah, they usually cross the street first. And that's what I see at my house anyways. And the ones they that do. run across the, the open space of the lawn first. And... Um, so, yeah, they kind of put themselves in danger for their family. So it's pretty cool. First ones to take the risk. Yes. All right. All right, Kirsten. Okay, we're going to move on to the ratite family. 
Now, really the gamble quail is the only one we're gonna talk about that is found specifically here in the Southwest, but there are so many amazing fathers out there. And the ratite family is one of the best fathers that we've got out there. Now, for those of you going ratite, I don't know what that means. Ratites are large flightless birds, such as the African ostrich. This family also includes the Rhea, which is found in South America, which is our smallest ratite, about half the size of an ostrich. The emu, which is found in Australia, which is shorter than the ostrich by a few feet. And then the cassowary, which is also found in Australia and New Guinea. The cassowary is shorter than the emu, but taller than the Rhea. And the reason we're talking about the ratite family today is that raising young is essentially a male responsibility in this family. So we're going to look at the Rhea first, and that is spelled R-H-E-A. And they are the South American friends, and they are actually the most social of our ratites. And they're often found in groups containing males and females. And there will be several different males and females in this group. During breeding season, the males will make a nest on the ground, which is really just some rocks in a circle. <laughs> and that works. And uh, they'll mate with several females. But once they've mated, he leads them to the nest where the females will deposit their fertilized eggs. And then when he, when he gets about 30 eggs, and this will be from different females, he chases the females away from the nest, and then he begins his parenting alone. He is going to raise these babies all by himself. Oh, so the opposite of a hummingbird. Absolutely, yeah. So for the first few days, he'll actually watch the nest without sitting on the eggs. And this is dependent on the environmental temperature. Scientists are not 100% sure why they do this, but... We are hypothesizing that it's because dad doesn't want to over-incubate the eggs because it could cook the fetus. So, already, before they're even out of the egg, he's thinking of his young. Once they hatch, he keeps the chicks safe while they forage for food, learning what to eat by watching what dad eats. So these guys are uh, precocial, like when they're popping out like of the quail. egg. Yeah, just like quail. So within an, probably 10, 20 minutes, they're up and walking around and following dad. So he will actually care for them for six months. Six months. Wow. That's quite a long time that for a, a bird to take care of. An of yeah. 30 babies. And um, he'll let them grow. And in that six months, they'll be big enough to take care of themselves. So what is the female doing during this time? Ah, she has said her goodbyes. Once they've chased off, once they're chased off by one male at a nest, they actually go to the next male waiting to fill his nest. And they breed. They lay their eggs. And then when everybody is busy, all the males in their group are busy, they just hang out. They have like a girl's night. <laughs> and For three that's months. It. They're like, peace out, take care of the babies. <laughs> and uh, that's our Rhea buddies down in South America. So our next rat type is the emu. This is our down under bird from Australia. And this is a strictly male only parent, just like the Rhea. During the year, emus can often be seen in pairs, but once breeding season starts, they all get together to increase their mating options. The males and females will actually mate with multiple partners, um, but only the males will make nests and sit on the eggs. Some of the males will even raise chicks that are not their own. Females will lay eggs in several different nests, and because she's mated with multiple partners, there's a chance that the eggs she lays in the one male's nest might not even belong to that male, may belong to another male. But the fabulous father emu doesn't care. He will raise whatever egg happens to be in his nest. As he's incubating the eggs, the emu will not leave until the eggs are ready to hatch, and he can lose up to half of his body weight just incubating his eggs. 
And once the chicks hatch, they hang around with dad for protection and education for 18 months. Wow. That's over a year. Wow. That is quite an investment in a bird chick. What's the difference? Why the difference in the time? Well, the emus are much bigger than the rias. So they pro it just takes them a lot longer time to get big enough to where they're safe from predators. Because um, the rhea is, gosh, um, I'm thinking about on my body. They come, they're maybe two, two and a half feet tall to three feet tall, the uh, rheas. And emus are, are taller than people. So they oh, can be... so they're up there like the ostrich. Yeah, they're not quite as tall as an ostrich, but they're, they can be six feet. And so it just takes a little bit longer for them to, to get bigger. You know, the, the, I bet genetic diversity is a big factor in why the, the egg dispersal. Yeah. When the so mating with multiple. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're actually very successful. And it, it, you're right. It must be a great way to keep genetics spread out and keep the entire population healthy. healthy yeah. So our next ratite is the cassowary. The cassowary is the most colorful of our ratites with a blue, bright blue and red neck and dark black plumage. These are really pretty ones. These are also the ones that still look a little bit more like dinosaurs. They have a cask on the top of their head, which scientists have no idea what they use it for, why it's there. We have no idea. We haven't figured it out. Uh, cassowaries are solitary birds that are actually very aggressive to others of their own until breeding season. And then breeding season, you tolerate each other. <laughs> So males will mate with one female, and once she's laid her eggs, he chases her off and begins incubation. He will sit on the egg for 50 days. That's a long time. 50 days. And he rolls them four times a day to make sure they survive. So he will not eat or drink while he is on that nest to make sure that they are rolled properly so that they are healthy. And after hatching, dad and chicks will stay together for 9 to 18 months. Cassowaries are... About the same size as the emu, they're a bit shorter, but they're, they're bulky. Um, and dad will teach them what to eat, like actively teach them what to eat. Not just like some of our other ratites where they watch what dad eats, puts yeah. in his mouth. He actually will pick up a piece of fruit. Fruit is one of uh, a big portion of their diet. He'll pick up a piece of fruit that is an acceptable piece to eat. He'll clack his beak to get everyone's attention, and then he drops the fruit in front of the chicks. So then they'll be like, okay, this is what I can eat. Of course, where the cassowary lives in Australia and New Guinea, there are lots of poisonous plants and fruits. And you don't want to eat something that's going to kill you. And I just took all, I spent 50 days sitting on you. Yeah. I am not going to allow you to just poison pick and choose. Yourself, yeah. Right, and poison yourself. <laughs> so they put a lot of effort into their babies. And um, within that 9 to 18 months, they'll uh, learn everything that dad can teach them and grow up to be successful cassowaries. And then once it's time to go, everybody pretty much hates each other because you're a cassowary. <laughs> But you're alive, and that's what matters. That is so funny. Birds are funny. So our last ratite is our ostrich. This is the largest of the ratites, and this is the African bird. And he's a bit of an exception to our ratite father-only rule, but he is still an excellent father. Ostriches will actually live in a one-male, multiple-female harem. So, And there is a dominant female who will mate with the male, and then she lays her eggs in the center of the nest that he has made. But the male will mate with other females, once again, spreading genetic diversity. And they are allowed by the dominant female, not all of them, some of them, are allowed to lay their egg on the border of the nest. So then their eggs are a little more susceptible to predators, but they're all in the nest together. And then um, 
having the dominant female's eggs in the middle with other eggs around it makes hers more secure, and she's yeah. okay with that. But I have seen, like, on documentaries where the male ostrich will scoot those eggs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He When, when she's not watching, he probably yeah, is like, I'm going to scoot it in here. Yeah, scoot, <laughs> I... So the male and the dominant female will actually share incubation duty. And once the chicks hatch, they are the main parents. So for 18 months, the chicks will follow their parents, learning what to eat and how to survive in the African wilderness. And during the heat of the day, I thought this was very sweet, they'll actually huddle very close to mom and dad, since mom and dad are enormously large birds. And um, they'll, mom and dad will sometimes open their wings and use it like an umbrella. And they'll keep the little babies in the shade of their wings and their larger bodies to help them survive when they're really young in the heat of the African day. I am surprised in Africa where, you know, just about everybody eats everybody else that these ostriches are so successful. Yeah. Because no one will mess with them. No yeah. one will mess with the dad ostrich. No. And once they're once you're a big grown-up ostrich, I mean, no one's messing with you anyways. Those right. big toenails, they can really slash you. But I've watched, again, African like documentaries where the baboons or maybe a hyena is coming close. And then once the, os the baby ostriches run towards they're focusing on dad so they run towards dad those animals do not oh yeah even... no you're just not going to risk it unless you can catch that bird separated from its parents you don't want to be gutted i mean yeah, that's what's going to happen I, to you. I, I, I was surprised at the force of their kicks too yeah it's pretty amazing all right so the next one we have the emperor penguin or this is one. the emperor Peng, penguin is one of the coldest places to raise a chick is in antarctica Emperor peng penguins, that's where they nest. Both parents participate in raising the young, but the father gets the toughest leg, with, toughest leg which is incubation. Emperor, oh yeah, we just lay the egg and then we leave it for right, right. the dad to sit on in the freezing cold. So the emperor penguins spend most of their lives in open water, but meet up every year during breeding season in Antarctica. Once a single egg is laid by the female, the male takes over parental duties while mom heads back out to sea for several weeks to eat as much fish as she can bring back for her chick. Dad stays behind in the harshest weather incubating the egg. They are incubating during the winter and temperatures can reach 40 degrees below zero. He must keep the egg on his feet and surround and be surrounded by, surrounded by his brood patch or it will freeze become so cold that the incubating dads will huddle together all while balancing their eggs on their feet to keep from freezing to death. The egg will hatch before mom gets back with a fresh supply of food so dad must rely on the fat he's gained during summer to feed the newly hatched chick. That's amazing. It really is. The same fat he's relying on to keep himself warm and nourished. He has to deliver food down the chick's throat while still balancing the chick on his feet. And once mom arrives, arrives, he passes the chick off to her and heads out to sea for his own meal and returns several weeks later to resume his fatherly, fatherly duties. At 50 days old, the chicks are big enough to keep themselves warm with the help of other chicks huddled together in penguin daycares. And both parents can begin bringing food. After about eight months, the chicks are almost fully grown and with adult feathers and can head out to sea on their own. That's amazing. Eight months. That's yeah. a long time for a bird to maintain 
care yeah. of a baby. And considering they're not just going a couple of feet away to find no, fish, they are doing a trek of miles to get out because, to sea. Because they've got the birds, the babies yep. set so far back for safety because you can't have them falling in the water. Yeah, yeah, you can't have that. So three cheers for our emperor penguin dads Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. So I have a question though. So the the baby chicks, once they get their, I'm assuming swimming feathers, which are adult feathers, they immediately know, they know how to swim. They know how to swim. Yeah, it's kind of an innate thing that they they know, and it's what their bodies are made for. So they go out, and then it's pretty much you're on your own, and you gotta hunt. And if you hunt well, kudos to you, you're gonna survive till the next year. So. And they learn on the. On the flipper, I guess. Yeah. Uh, about predators. Yes. And then, I mean, their first big challenge is getting to the actual ocean. And, of course, when they're nesting, they're not really having to worry about any predators. There's nothing down there that eats right. them. I mean, polar bears are not from the Antarctic, people. No. Remember that. No, I'm they're up in the Arctic circle. Seals. <laughs> yes. And so it's getting, the biggest challenge is getting to, to the coast. And then the coast is your next super, super crazy challenge because you've got the leopard seals and then you've got the, um, the waves that are crashing off and all the rocks and everything. Once you get past that, pretty much it's smooth sailing after that. Right. So if you can get out and get into the open ocean, then you're good. You're set. So they don't, they don't follow mom and dad much because it's pretty much, I mean, they've, they've given you all the nourishment they can. And now it's, you got to fight. You got to fight real hard. And if you can make it, then you're most likely going to come back next year and have your own babies. Wow. All right, Kristen. All right, this one is one of my favorites. This is the rhinoceros hornbill. This excellent dad is found in Indonesia. Once breeding begins, the rhinoceros hornbill male has to get ready for a lot of exercise. These birds will mate for life, and they create nests in hollow trees. Once the female is ready to lay eggs, she goes into the nest, which is a, a hole in a tree, and they seal her in. Both of them seal her in with mud and feces to block the opening. So she's completely mudded in there. And she leaves a small hole big enough for dad to put the tip of his beak through with food deliveries. So for the next 35 to 50 days, 35 to 50 days, she will incubate the eggs and then dad will fly around the rainforest gathering food for his mate. He'll bring food, seeds, and then small reptiles and mammals for her to eat. And then when the chicks hatch, he is shopping for multiple mouths because he's still on Uber Eats duty. Mm -hmm. Mom will stay in the nest until the chicks can survive without her constant care. And it can take up to three months to accomplish all of this. And during that time, the male is their only source of food. And their only source of food. So he's flying all over the uh, rainforest, bringing food back. The chicks will fledge at about 80 days. And they hang around mom and dad, learning what to eat. And then by 15 weeks old, they are on their own. Wow. That's so, one of my favorites. It is. But, but do scientists know why they mud, mud themselves in? We are assuming that it's the best way for predator protection okay. and uh, increasing the chances of survival. It's just an adaptation that they've done. We cannot personally ask the birds, why do you do that? But we assume that that's what it's for because they have a very good rate of raising chicks. Um, the only predator really that sneaks in there is human beings. We can raid their nests easily, but um, nobody else really bothers them. 
So keeps snakes out. Yep, keeps snakes out. It keeps any type of squirrel that might, because they do have squirrels in Indonesia, that might want to eat the eggs. And uh, it, yeah, protects them. It gives them a high rate of survival for their chicks. Oh, cool. Hmm, I was just curious. Yeah. All right, so the we have the sand grouse. Did I say that right? Yes, sand grouse. Sand grouse. So we will end with one last shout out to an extraordinary bird dad from the most arid region region of South Africa. The sand grouse chicks are in constant threat of dehydrating in this dry area, and it's dad's responsibility to keep them hydrated. Water is scarce here, so dad sets out every day, often more than once a day, to find a water source. He may fly several miles away before he finds what he needs. And once he's found water, he risks his own safety to get into the water far enough that the specialized feathers on his belly can soak up the water like a sponge. Then he flies back to the nest where the chicks will grab the feathers in their beaks and wring the water from the feathers. He will do this until they fledge from the nest. That is just amazing the way birds have figured out how to survive yeah. and adapted. And he must weigh twice as much when he tries to take up yeah. out, take up take off out of the water. Yeah, I didn't see any mention of that in the research, but yeah, it's got to be. And so he's taking all that extra energy and risking himself for to save his little chicks from dehydration. So awesome. Awesome. So we want to wish all those fathers out there, birds and otherwise, a happy Father's Day.